Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter, and I just want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. I'm glad that everyone is here. Uh, we have officially begun the Christmas season, and this is one of my favorite times of year. This is a time where, um, among other things, we are reflecting on our families and our friends, and uh, it's times filled with uh, food and presents and gifts. But most importantly for us as Christians, it's a time of year to reflect on the birth of Jesus and the significance that that has for our souls. But as we learn to follow Jesus, as we learn to walk with him, and as we study scripture, we actually begin to see and realize that Jesus is not just concerned with the condition of our souls, but that he actually was sent to walk with us, and to live life with us, and to guide us. And, uh, and so, what, uh, through our struggles, through our joys, and our pains, even through our confusion, sometimes even through tragedies, and that's the beautiful thing, is that when an angel came to announce the birth of Jesus, the angel said, and he will be called Emmanuel, and it says, which means God with us, that Jesus is not simply our Savior. That Jesus is actually meant to be a God who is with us, who lives with us, is present with us all the time. And so during this Christmas season, during this holiday season particularly, we take time to reflect on what that means for our lives. In fact, there are scriptures in the Bible where we actually see Jesus is given several names uh, that are descriptors for for who he is and what he uh, means for us. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this is the foundation for our new message series, our Christmas series. It says, for us, a child is born. To us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. And these are names, descriptors. Wonderful counselor, mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace. This is one of the most famous Christmas verses you ever see. Every year we see this uh, around in, 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 in scripture and at churches and in songs. And this passage of scripture is actually a prophetic word. It was speaking about Jesus and how he would behave, how he would be, how he would act uh, in our lives. This is the titles that were given to Jesus. The names that we want to explore this Christmas season, he is the wonderful counselor that he is a mighty God, that he is representation of the everlasting Father, and that he is the Prince of Peace. And those all sound like good things, right? We could use a lot more of these things in our lives. And so what we're going to do this month throughout December for the next four weeks is we're going to be uh, in a new series called He Shall Be Called, and we're going to be exploring each of those names together and discovering what they mean to each of us and how they can impact our lives. And so this week we're going to begin with Wonderful Counselor. When I was in college, uh, I lived in a, in a city called Lakeland, Florida. I went to Southeastern University. Uh, I was studying there to, to be a pastor. I was studying biblical studies and uh, pastoral ministry. And the town is called Lakeland because there are lakes, uh, little mini lakes all over dotting the landscape of this community. And there were oftentimes people would walk along them. They would bike or roller skate or roller blade back in the days that I lived. And uh, we would, people were exercising there. But there were rumors to be alligators in said lakes. Okay, Florida is known for its alligators. 
And uh, as a stupid college student, you're always thinking about how you can, you know, push the edge of the envelope. And one day, a friend of mine made a recommendation that one of the coolest activities that you can do in Lakeland, Florida, would be to do some not-so-legal nighttime swimming in said lakes where the rumored alligators were to be at. And I took this advice, and I thought... That sounds like a lot of fun. So me and a friend got into our car one night. I mean, it's Florida, right? So it doesn't matter what time of year it is. It's always warm and hot and sticky down there. And uh, we got into the car, and we parked at one of the small kind of out-of-the-way lakes. And we get out of the car, and we start getting into the water, and we wade in. And we were about halfway, you know, up to our waist where the water was there. And we're like, this is great. You could see the, you can see the moonlight kind of reflecting on the water. It was this great moment, a lot of fun. We're having a good time. And then all of a sudden, I feel this bang on my, on my leg. Like, it felt like a log might feel. Like, it was, it was rough. It kind of had, had bumps on on it and I was like what the heck is that and it smashed up against my leg and I was freaked out I was terrified and me and my friend were like panicked so we 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 run I mean immediately like you know flailing like as if our lives are in danger and we run outside of the the water and I turn around just in time to see what appeared to be an alligator kind of floating back under and diving this is a moving log okay so I thought it was a log but instead the log was now moving away it was terrifying. I had, I'm a survivor of an alligator attack, folks, okay? Now, I have no idea why, why that alligator didn't eat me. I don't know. I have this idea in my mind that alligators, all they do is, like, kill things. I'm sure that's not true. Anybody in here who's an animal study or whatever the word, animologist, I don't know what the word is for that is, but uh, you could probably tell me. I'm grateful that I'm alive today, but I got to tell you, that was some bad advice that I was given, Okay. Bad counsel, bad decisions. How many of you maybe don't identify with an alligator attack story, but I identify, let me see your hands if you can identify with being given bad advice. Or maybe you've made bad decisions in your lives, right? This is common for us. Here's the deal. We live life, and life is full of complex issues. It's full of emotions. It's full of, uh, of, of decisions. It's full of problems. And it can be really difficult for us to know what the best move is to make in life. It can be difficult for us to know how to respond to situations appropriately. And, and, we, and it's even more challenging when we talk to a friend or to someone who we trust and they give us bad advice, maybe well-meaning advice, perhaps advice that's meant to be fun or enjoyable, but bad nonetheless. It is very difficult for us to make good decisions in our life. And I think about it, how I'm, every one of us desires the ability to know how to make good decisions. Every one of us wants to know how to do the thing that we need to do first, the right, the right the first time. Every one of us, when we've got a problem to fix or a decision to make, how, how wonderful would it be to be able to just say, ask a question and then receive immediately the answer to that? Is that even possible? Is it possible for us to know? Well, the Bible tells us that there's Jesus, and that Jesus is called the Wonderful Counselor. The Wonderful Counselor. And I feel like I ask myself this question, if Jesus is such a good counselor, if he's such a wonderful person who knows everything, why is it that I still get myself into trouble all the time? Maybe you might ask yourself that same question. If Jesus is so good, if he's such a wonderful counselor, why is it that I'm always in trouble or I'm making dumb decisions? And I would think that perhaps the reason is it's because we don't turn to him first. Perhaps, or maybe we don't know how to go to him, or we're not sure what we're listening for. So when I read that passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, and it says that Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
And then I see my life and how difficult it can be to know what the right thing to do is in our complex situations that we face. I want to understand that. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to dive into the words wonderful counselor and see how that can apply to our life. In fact, when I was reading this week as I was studying, some of the scholars who kind of translate the original Hebrew take the two words wonderful and counselor, and they actually think, some scholars think, that the two words are not supposed to be combined. So in, in other words, where we read it and it says, he shall be called wonderful counselor, comma, and then it says, mighty God. What they say, some, some scholars, not all, would say that it's actually two separate words that don't go together. So it would be, and he shall be called wonderful, comma, counselor, comma, okay? Now here's why they think that. In Hebrew, the word for wonderful is pele, okay? Everybody say pele, not the soccer player, Pele, but this is a Hebrew word that actually means miracle. It means like something unusual, wonder, and awe-inspiring. So, so in that context, it would be saying that God is un- incredible. He is a wonder. He is incomprehensible, okay? So that's what, we're, that's what the Hebrew word means. But then the next word is yois. Everybody say yois. See, look at that. You guys are fluent in Hebrew already. I like it. It means counselor, advice. So they're saying they're not related to each other, so they're not connected. But I think, as I read scripture, and there are other scholars that back me up. It's not just Jared who's looking at this and going, well, I don't think these academic guys know what they're talking about, okay? No, in reality, there are scholars who also connect it. And obviously, the way that we read the scripture in this particular translation does link them, okay? Now, here's why I think that's the most plausible. Because the Bible says that Jesus is not an ordinary counselor. If he was... He would be among the list of a, a bunch of other counselors. I could check out Dr. So-and-so and Dr. Who this person is and this psychiatrist and that psychologist and, and this guidance counselor and all of these different people, right? Jesus is no ordinary counselor. But here's what happens when you take the two, two, two Hebrew words and you connect them. It says that Jesus is, in fact, a miraculous, unusual, incomprehensibly awe-inspiring counselor. That when you seek his counsel, when you look for God's advice, when you seek him, that his authority, his wisdom, and his knowledge is greater than anything that you will find in any office or any book or on the internet. The wisdom and the knowledge that Jesus provides is the greatest of all. It is awe-inspiring. He has the ability to see into your circumstance and see beyond it later. It's incredible what God can do and what Jesus does. Now, how do I know this? Well, I'm so glad that you asked me. Because in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, it says this, Oh, how great are God's riches and his wisdom and his knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Well, Colossians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 3 says, And in him, in Jesus, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, when we seek advice from someone, we like to get the advice and the counsel from people who we think has a better perspective than we do in the situation, right? We want to go to somebody who has experience in something. We want to go to someone who has an answer or can see outside of my perspective or my problems, right? And when we go to counselors, we do that. And in this way, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. In this way, he is the one who sees beyond. The Bible tells us that his wisdom is matchless, that he is incomparable. His knowledge and wisdom are incomparable and beyond compare. His counsel for our lives can be trusted. Every question, every concern, every issue we face, all of it is not beyond his grasp. 
There is an answer for every single thing that we need. But here's what I would say to you. More than his ability to have wisdom about our circumstances, more than the ability to have have, uh, knowledge about our circumstances, Jesus also provides counsel through them. Remember, the angel called Jesus Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So he wasn't just someone who goes, hey, I get it, I see it, and I might tell you about it. Instead, we're also told that Jesus is with us, that he lives with us, that he is there to hear us, that he's there to comfort us all throughout our lives. Now, our tendency is to believe that that God, in his infinite cosmic wisdom, has the ability to know everything. I think most of us who at least believe in a God would say, if there is a God, then he is going to be wise enough to be aware of all the things, right? I mean, even Thomas Jefferson, who was a deist, believed in God, but believed that God just spun the earth as a top, you know, and just kind of left us be. Even, even that man who believed in God, believed in his, his massive knowledge and his ability to understand everything. But for most of us, I think we have a tendency to think that, that I believe he knows things, but how could God possibly, how could Jesus possibly understand what I'm actually going through now? I mean, did Jesus ever have to pay bills? Did Jesus ever lose his job? Did Jesus ever uh, have marital problems or his kids weren't listening to him? How could he possibly understand the loss of a loved one? How could Jesus understand how I'm feeling? I think that's how we we ask those questions. But I would say, if he is the wonderful counselor, just like we go to counselors for advice, sometimes we just need someone to talk to. Sometimes we need a friend. Sometimes we need a counselor who we can share our emotions with. Sometimes we just need someone, a counselor, to to not come for a decision, but instead to say, I'm going through this thing, this pain that I'm feeling, or this confusion, or frustration, or whatever it is, and I need someone to get it all out to, right? That's the other reason that we seek counselors out. And those counselors might be professionals, but they also might be our friends, right? So when we do that, we, we understand and we expect that that counselor has the ability to identify and to understand. But when we think of Jesus... We often think, I, I, I just, I think there's a disconnect. How could he possibly understand what I'm going through? But Hebrews 4, chapter 4 and verses 14 through 16. If you guys have a Bible, pull them out or, or look at them on your tablets or smartphones. This is kind of the, the passage we're going to pull mostly from today. How could Jesus possibly know how I feel? Verse 14 in chapter 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. And I love this, verse 15. This high priest, Jesus, of ours, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of God, our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You see, Jesus was born and we celebrate that at Christmas time. Christmas is a celebration of Jesus's birth and it's significant because when he was born, he was a human being. This is important for us as Christians to understand, especially in the context of him being a wonderful counselor. 
Because I would not go to a counselor. I would not seek advice, nor would I seek, I would not share my heart with someone who I did not believe would have the ability to understand what I was telling them. But because Jesus lived a fully human life, he experienced pain. He experienced sadness. He experienced confusion and wonder and loneliness. There were countless times in the scriptures that we see in the Gospels particularly where it tells us how Jesus felt. He understood hunger. He understood anger. He saw his cousin be beheaded. He understands the loss of a loved one. Jesus understands fully human emotion and situations. And yet, the Bible also tells us that he was fully divine, that he was imbued with the divine nature. And you know what that does? It allows him to experience. So his humanity allowed Jesus to experience and understand every emotion that we feel. And yet his divine nature gives him the ability to transcend every single bit of it so that he can walk through and guide us through it. This is beautiful. This is important to understand. This is why this is at the crux of our, of our faith as Christians, that Jesus was both fully human and fully God at the same time. And be, that is the ability for him to be the wonderful counselor stems from this place, is that because he understands everything, he is also able to see us through it. And this is the big idea of our day. If you're taking notes, write this down. The counsel of Jesus can be trusted because he understands how we feel but can see perfectly beyond it. The counsel of Jesus can be trusted because he understands how we feel, because he was human, because he gets it, and yet because he is divine, can see perfectly beyond it. Now you might be sitting here in your seats right now and you're saying, wow, that sounds great. Jesus seems like a really good guy. And he is. He is the wonderful counselor, the awe-inspiring counselor. And yet, how the heck am I supposed to apply this to my life? What can I do with this? How does this help me right now? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I I have two two quick observations I want to make that are kind of found from the end of that passage that we read in Hebrews chapter 4. How does this apply to my life? Walking with the wonderful counselor. How do we walk with him? How do we learn? And what does it do for us? The first thing that I think it does is that it gives us direct, real-time care. Direct, real-time care. Verse 16, the first part of verse 16 in Hebrews 4 says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. If you ever watch, you know, um, TV shows that involve like the Middle Ages where you have a king or a movie... And there was a court, a throne room with the court. You had to beg for entrance before you could enter into the throne room. You had to have a reason to come. And you had to go through all of these these ceremonies and rituals and various things. Whether you would bow or you would offer a gift or various things to be granted permission to even enter into the room of the king. But when we become children of God... This scripture tells us that we come boldly into the throne room of God. That there is no begging. There is no, no fear. Like that's like, oh my gosh, I've got a thing that I've got to tell my dad and I've got to tell him right now. And I just bust in the room no matter what's going on. Dad! That is what this scripture is teaching us. So let us come boldly to the throne of our 
gracious God. I love that it says that because I think it's so important for us to know it because we could think, wow, I've got permission to come, but maybe I shouldn't. Perhaps I shouldn't go in even though I'm allowed to go. It's probably not the place I should be going. No, no, our gracious God. He's happy to be there for us. There is no third party any longer. There's no middleman. There's no hangups. There's no reason for us to not come directly to God. When we are confused about something, when we're feeling pain, when we're suffering, when we're joyful, when we don't know what to do, when we have a decision to make, we have direct, real-time access to the God in heaven who knows our situations, answers, can answer our problems. Why do we bother looking on the internet for things? Why do we search high and low when the one who has every answer under all of creation of all time, we have access to him? I think about that sometimes. And no matter what, you know what else this means? Direct access means that no matter what, no matter where we are, he's available. That's what I love about it is that I don't have to wait. There's no like hold times. I don't have to pay. There's no like membership tiers. The fact is, is that when we become children of God, we are literally given privilege to talk to the creator of the universe and who holds the keys to every problem that we face. That's a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing. And I'd also like to point out that there are also no limits or thresholds in this arrangement. That means that there is nothing too big and there's nothing too small to go boldly to the throne room. So it doesn't matter if you're facing the worst possible situation or it seems like the most trivial thing. He is a gracious father who loves you as, your chi- as a child of God. So you have direct, real-time access to the wonderful counselor. The second thing that we have is confident counsel. So not only do we have direct, real-time care as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we also have confident counsel. The second half of verse 16 says this, there we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it the most. You see, when we come to Jesus, when we seek out his awe-inspiring, incomparable wisdom, we can be confident that we are his priority. It's not like we're waiting in a queue. Oh, well, okay, I should probably pull a ticket. Remember going to the grocery store at the deli counter and you had to pull those tickets and you'd wait, or if you go get your driver's license and they give you a number and you're sitting there and you got to wait for four hours? Like, that's not how it works with Jesus. You don't have to have to pull a number. There's no cue. You know right away that Jesus thinks that you are the priority. There's confidence in his counsel. His wisdom and his knowledge blow away any competition. Even the most learned, scholarly individuals, those who have studied. My, my, my brother-in-law, Jonathan, is an incredible counselor. He's actually recognized across the entire state of Ohio for all of his uh, certifications and how he helps people. But as much as he is wonderful, Jesus blows him out of the water with his wisdom. And that's no knock on my brother-in-law, but he's just a human. He just can't compete with the wisdom of the creator of the universe. And I have confidence that there is never a situation that's going to catch Jesus by surprise. Oh, man. Wow, Jared, that, that thing, I didn't see that one coming. I, you will never hear that in a quote book by Jesus. Like, he's, he experienced everything. Remember our big idea. He, you can trust the counsel of Jesus but he can see perfectly beyond it. He understands how we're feeling. So if I'm struggling to figure out how to make a decision, he knows what the right answer is. 
Now, the trick always for us is, well, then how do I tap into that? How do I understand that? How do I get it? I think it starts with these two things. We have to have a belief that, first of all, I can come to him direct access real time. I have to believe that when I come to him, that he is the one who has the answers and the power to change my circumstances. If I don't believe that, I'm probably not going to go to him in the first place. But even more than that, I have to have the belief that, I, that what he tells me is right. And I got to tell you that there are a lot of times where I pray or maybe where you pray and you hear the Holy Spirit speak to you and then you don't believe what it says so you don't act upon it. That happens a lot to us as Christians. So we're not taking the advice. You know, and then, look, we're all guilty of this and we do it in our own lives. We go visit counselors and we seek advice from our friends and how many times have we still done the thing that we knew was the right thing to do and we didn't do it anyway? It happens to us all the time. But if we want Jesus to speak in our lives, if we want to know the right thing every time, and I believe that with all my heart, that, that, that God does not sit up there. I believe that if we come to Jesus and we pray, Jesus, I don't, I don't know what to do in this situation. I, I, just, I don't believe that he sits there and he goes, well, I'm going to tell you, but I'll tell you in three weeks if you just keep praying. Like, that's not who he is. I believe that with all my heart. I believe the problem most of the time is that we are not in a place to where we can hear effectively. I believe that. Whether it be there's just static or noise in my brain because of my life, because of the decisions that I make, because I don't have enough faith to believe that he will speak to me, there are a variety of reasons. And I can say this with confidence because there are probably some of you in the room right now who are thinking, I don't know if I theologically agree with you. What I would say to you is this, is that if God is supernatural, if God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, then that means he's literally right next to me, right now. You can, here he is, and he's right next to you, he's right behind you, he's all over the place. If that's the case, how could it possibly be his fault that I'm not hearing him speak to me? So often, the problem is myself. And my, my inability or my lack of willingness to hear, and especially when I do hear, I judge it or I think that it might not be right or I'm or I will not willing to act upon it. If Jesus is, in fact, the wonderful counselor that I believe he is, and not just joyful, not just happy, not even just A plus good, like wonderful, Pele, awesome, awe-inspiring, unnatural, unordinary, beyond comprehension counselor. We must trust in him. Complete access to the one who has the answers and the power to change things, but also the incomparable relationship that restores and builds faith. I love it that Jesus is God with us. That while we are in the middle of our muck and our pain and our suffering and our stupidity and our stubbornness, that he is walking with us. That he is never too far away. That we can never run far enough away from him. He is always there. If we are willing to receive him, he is always there. It's beautiful. So what I would say to you as we close today is this, and we're going to take communion in just a moment. I would say to you, this is the challenge for the day, is to access the wonderful counselor. Every single one of you, every one of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, in this room right now, we have access to him. There's nothing you have to do. There's no money you have to pay. There's nothing special you have to say or do or be or give or whatever. You literally have access just by speaking to him. 
And from that gives the space of where the spirit of God lives inside of you. That's what the Bible says, that when you follow Jesus, that his spirit comes and lives inside of you. This is something interesting real quickly. I kind of skipped over, but I want to hit real quick. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of Jesus. Okay, so follow me here. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of each one of us is called the spirit of Jesus. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is also called in scripture? It's called the counselor. It's also called the comforter. Both of those things are things that we seek counsel from, from counselors, don't we? Counsel, advice, and comfort. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, living inside of us is the mighty counselor, the mighty comforter. So my challenge to you today is to access the counselor. The first thing you need to do is to get to know Jesus. You can't have his counsel or his wisdom if you don't have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And that happens by beginning a relationship with Jesus. But when you know Jesus, when you continue to get to know him, you need to ask with confidence. You have to trust that he has authority in your life and that he's going to guide you in the place that is best for you. We have to hand over the keys to the car, to the counselor, to the one who knows the map, who knows the direction, who knows the destination. And we must walk in faith. We must walk in faith. If our worship team could go ahead and come up and just begin to kind of play behind me. Would you all stand with me? Go ahead and grab your communion elements. They're going to be coming down here in just a second. Just close your eyes, and we're going to just pray and ask the Lord to <coughs> ask the Lord to just speak to our hearts as we step into this communion moment. There are somebody in the room right now who I want to give a chance to begin a relationship with Jesus. If there's the maybe the first time, maybe you've never began a relationship with Jesus. Perhaps there's, you want that counsel, you want that advice, you want that wisdom, but you don't know how to access it. It begins with a relationship with Jesus. Just close your eyes. If there's anyone in the room right now, what we're going to do is we're just going to give you a chance to do it. We're not going to make you raise your hand. All I want for you is to just take a moment right now before we move on so that we can all move on together, okay? Because we're about to partake in communion, which is the remembering of the body and the blood of Jesus on the cross. But there's no point for anyone to do that if you're not a child of God. So with your eyes closed, if there's anyone in the room right now who would, just wants to begin a relationship with Jesus, who says, you know what, maybe either I never have or maybe I'm returning to him now, you're recommitting, you don't have to raise your hand, all I want you to do is in your heart, just, just kind of repeat after me. Just tell him what you think. Say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I, I want you to have my life. Forgive me for all my sin, for my mistakes. I've made stupid mistakes. I've done stupid things. But I receive your forgiveness. I believe in you. And I choose now to follow you. Would you help me? Help me in my circumstances. Help me in my situations. Give me counsel. Give me advice. And give me comfort in my pain. Help me through it. Walk with me like you promised to be. Be the wonderful counselor in my life. And if you prayed that prayer, that means right now you are a child of God. That means that you are welcomed into the family of God. That means that right now at this moment, the spirit of God has come into you. And you may be experiencing that for the first time. There's a, a feeling, a warmth, a rush in your, in your body right now. You feel it and you can't explain it. That is God transforming you, bringing your soul back to life. It's an incredible experience. I'm grateful for what God is doing in this church
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.